So hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Thrushigan Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, uh, subspecializing in intervention. And uh, we pretty much um, quote this person every single week, don't we, Thrusha? Every single yes. week. And I think even this week, we're quoting at least two or three times. I know, we're plugged um, in straight into the source now. Yeah, exactly. We are right into the source. Go on, uh, introduce yourself. Oh, hi. Hi, guys. Um, so I'm Shivani Misra, and I'm a consultant in metabolic medicine and a academic. Yeah, you're quite into the academia. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and academia, etc.? Yeah, um, so I'm um, a... A clinician and a researcher. So I did a PhD and just had my heart set on pursuing research. So now I'm a senior lecturer where I am and um, split my time between clinical and research, which has its challenges, but I really love the variety. Do you wow. still do ward rounds then? Or? Well, no, <laughs> so, I, don't. I don't because no one's ever heard of metabolic medicine, but metabolic medicine <laughs> is quite a niche. It's quite a niche specialty, and it doesn't have. So after I got MRCP, I I, I stopped doing GIM. <gasps> <Dun, dun, dun. laughs> um, and God. instead, <laughs> instead of that, um, I'm I, I did loads of biochemistry stuff. So I don't do ward rounds anymore. I just do outpatient clinics okay. and research. Cool. Well, it feels like we kind of go from cardiology to obscure, obscure subspects. I mean, we had genetics the other day, didn't we? You know, uh, yeah. Didn't we have Adam? Yeah, Adam was genetics, and then now we've got what metabolic medicine. Wow. Uh, and and so you say academia. I mean, I've got to say, every time anyone say, say if you just say the word academia, I snooze. I'm no, not not <laughs> okay. um, no, no. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, I'm 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 gone to sleep. Um, I do rate anyone that goes into it, and um, but then that's been like a, a constant conversation, hasn't it? Just generally speaking about academia and its role in medicine, hasn't it? Um, I mean, what do you think? I mean, there's a push for people to do lots of academia, isn't there, out there? I think it's I think it's a great point, Imran. Like, I, I, lots of people go into it for different reasons, and I feel like there is a pressure now for people to undertake some form of research, whether that's a higher degree or you know some time off to do research. Um, which and you know, some of my friends had to do that bit. They didn't. Their heart wasn't really in it, but they felt pressured to do that because. Otherwise, they wouldn't get the job that they want. And um, I mean, I love research and I went into it because I was really passionate about um, diabetes and I wanted to learn more about the, you know, a particular area. But I do feel it's a shame that some people feel compelled to do that because I think there are other ways to develop yourself that don't necessarily mean you have to commit to something like an MD or a PhD. Um, mm. So yeah, no, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I think that's the great thing about medicine that there's there's something for everyone. Um, mm. And even if you don't want to do an extra thing and you just want to have a nine to five job, you know, that's great, you know, and we need people to be like that. But that's the thing, like, um, I think you, you, you're you saying you quite like getting the nitty gritty of a specific subject, like really becoming like the a very um, learned individual in that particular thing. And which which bit of metabolic, um, whatever it is, <laughs> you're trying to get into. <laughs> Good question. Um, so for me, it's really funny because the bit that I like was the bit that put me off doing endocrinology. So I, I'm really focused on diabetes and my PhD was in the genetics of diabetes. Um, and now I'm working on early onset type two diabetes and the genetics of that. But hmm. yeah, I almost did endocrinology. And I remember having this conversation with my referee at the time 
because um, I wanted to do it, but I despised diabetes. I absolutely hated <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> and he was like, Lo, Shivani, look, every specialty has got its diabetes, you know. Um, it, you, you know, it, you just have to make your peace with it. But then, yeah, then I, I got, got hooked on metabolic medicine and then I fell into diabetes and I just really liked it. That's crazy, man. Is there, it just shows. I mean, I just think I'm, I, I, I'm in awe of people that know straight away what they want to, want to do because I, I never did. Yeah, fair enough. So what's the diabetes of radiology, Imran? <laughs> genuinely sometimes they send me scans and be like um you know the patient's diabetic is anything going on the pancreas like, i don't know and pancreas looks all right to me so <laughs> oh, <fair laughs> send her back yeah. um yeah you know um i think i'll say like uh, um x-ray ankles yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. shark got a joint yeah i could go on about that but let's not go on about that because um yeah that's kind of msk ish uh, and uh, i do my best to try and make um radiology and msk seem cool but uh, I don't think there's some, there's no helping some parts of medicine and it's definitely not helping mine. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, Shivani's trying to be like the Michelin star of uh, diabetes and, and the rest of us are trying to be, well, me, I'm trying to be just the McDonald's of medicine, really. Oh, wow. uh, just say everything's normal uh, and move on swiftly. <laughs> um, so it's been an eventful week. We had, I think we had some tweets that came in today that caused a little bit of a mini bin fire and all sorts of things have been going on. Uh, we've had a previous guest that turned up on the BBC News as well, which is quite interesting so mm. where do we start Theresha where, where should we go where do we go from here well I, I wanted to start with a kind of a classic Twitter interaction um, mm. and you kind of have to scroll back through various different quote tweets and kind of Saki replies and subtweets and there are lots of lots of memes out there um, and so I think it originates from a tweet from Pete Turton which was only 11 hours ago so still fresh and uh, so he'd gotten this kind of and I, I don't know if you guys get these but I get these kind of like phishing emails which are like um, hello Dr. Kenwardner would you be interested in doing like a cardiology locum somewhere and he's gotten something along those lines which is long term SHO slash any locum high pay rate London and I always mine start with this as well actually but his is uh, dear Dr. Peter I hope you're keeping well question mark I feel like they really <laughs> want to know the answer to that one and then it says this trust is looking for an SHO uh, this hospital is based in Newham and have approved a pay rate of £55 per hour to the right candidate. And so he's replied saying, one, I'm not A&E. Two, hmm. where is Dion? Three, 55 quid in London and your agency. Best of luck, Tom. And someone's then quote tweeted it. We won't mention the person because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they, yeah, they've left enough. it up, but I just uh, don't yeah. encourage pylons and all that. But it says, Dip Dr. Peter, upon consideration, we've decided to withdraw our offer as frankly, our borough deserves better than this brand of snobbery. Best of luck, Tom. And this person then mm. goes on to say that it's the fact that he doesn't know where Neurom is. Do you guys know where Neurom is? <laughs> Shall I get out of an A to Z? Can you point out where Neurom is? Do you know? Well, you know, I mean, we had someone who's... Yeah, no, of course yeah. I know where Newham is. I mean, everything's London, isn't it? I mean, we mm. had um, we had Hassan last week who, when he was saying he was from up north. I, I thought he meant, you know, like North London. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, where do we start with this, Shivani? I mean, this, this had so many levels, didn't it? Oh, it was mm. crazy, wasn't it? I mean, I have to say, I really enjoyed the aftermath because everyone <laughs> came out with these brilliant memes. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I just thought it was cl it was classic. Twitter, wasn't it? That you could say something fairly innocuous. And I mean, as you all know, I've been there. And you just think, oh, this is, this is, I'm being really funny. And um, 
and someone just takes it in completely the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I don't know the person that, that did that, but um, it, I just thought it was a classic example of how the, how, how the, the platform can just go wrong, basically. Mm. But, um, but I think, you know, what's fun in those situations, um, which happened with Boostgate as well, is that Med Twitter really gets together. Um, yeah. And you just get all these responses and memes. And, you know, for the next couple of hours, it was really good fun. So, I mean, tell us more about the boost thing, because some of us, some people may not know about your boost incident, your, oh, the boost that you got. <laughs> can't even, I even, like, that's the first time I actually said the B word out loud since um, oh, October. God. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, Forever I mean, okay, so I think, yeah. look, I think basically the summary is that I got my booster and where I work, they were giving out Cadbury's boost bars. And so I just, you know, like, today just said oh you know i thought maybe this was a thing maybe you know they'd commission boost to give the bar to everyone and i just (laughs) tweeted a picture and then it got quote tweeted as you know by um Monsieur Donut, as I call yes. him, and yeah. um, and then there was, this... Donut to his friends. <laughs> yeah. there was just this massive uh, pylon, and um, the really funny thing is that I'd seen the tweet, but then I went out for dinner with my friend, and we were in the basement of this restaurant, so I had no reception. Oh, and wow. when I came up at around yeah. ten o'clock, my phone was just crazy including messages from various people are you okay <laughs> and i wow. just thought yeah no it was fine it was fine though i mean like i think it's really interesting the reactions you go through um because that was my first pylon and um so initially it just i don't know if it's happened to you but i, I just thought this is just really funny right i just thought yeah. it was hilarious mm. but 24 hours in when it's not abating and i you know switching off my notifications i was actually really worried i was like oh my god maybe my career is going to be cancelled and then i'm mm. like no no way because it was just a chocolate bar how can it be yeah. cancelled and mm. um i remember phoning up you know someone who's a bit more savvy than i and like you know do, what do you what do you think i should do so i think when you're re- on the receiving end it's quite isolating yeah. um but then, yeah, yeah, then I just silenced it. So, but now it's just become this really fun thing. And, you know, people just, um, I think the thing, the standout thing for me, sorry, this has turned into monologue, but the standout thing no, no, for no. me was how everyone in Med Twitter really supported me. Um, mm. It was just hilarious, the, the things that people came up with. So funny. So thanks, everyone. <laughs> it is crazy, isn't it? Like, um, I think it happens to, I don't know about you, Thrush, but sometimes when I, I when I go to sleep and the next morning, there's like 20 something notifications or more. Yeah. I do stress. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what did I do? What did I do? Or maybe that TikTok was really that bad. Oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> you know, and then he's, yeah. normally I kind of get away with it or, you know, I just ignore it. But it, I can imagine that being quite stressful. I mean, you must have had loads of notifications, right? I mean, loads. Yeah, loads. no, it just, um, I was saying to you guys, wasn't I, that I, I had never blocked anyone before then. And now mm. I've got like 250 people blocked because it just it was it was the americans they just yeah. they were just really really angry um oh, so yeah just did a lot of blocking well they just didn't like the boost bars no i said because i think it was quite a nifty thing on my part because i managed to simultaneously annoy anti-vax and low-carb twitter oh, in like wow. one thing wow. so wow. yeah unity united 
You know, what I liked about what happened with Pete Turton's tweet is because I didn't actually see Pete Turton's tweet. I saw someone else's tweet, which was quoting his tweet and then someone else's tweet. And it just like, there was loads of quote tweets going on. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. kind of went down like a bit of a rabbit hole. Like, okay, so that one leads to that one. And then that one leads <laughs> to that one. Yeah. And then I finally got, ah, here he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found it. Yeah. I found it. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes you, you're not, you don't actually know what's happened. And all you yeah. see are these the, loads of subtweets and... Then you spend like, well, I do anyway, because I'm probably yeah, sad, yeah. but I just spend like five minutes trying to figure <laughs> out where, yeah. what was the, what was ground zero of this event? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and you'll see like other tweets where it'll be like people who are kind of, who know it and they're like, oh, I can see that this is the, this yeah. is the current bin fire. And you're like, all right, mate, well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're in the in crowd, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, looking at that email, um, I mean, the first one, I mean, Thrusha, you touched upon it. I mean, clearly they don't know who they are. They said, dear yeah. Dr. Peter. Um, and then just gone straight into it, you know, as if they really are. And also, I hope you're keeping well, as if you're really going to tell them, you know what, I've had mm. a bad day, actually. Yeah, Let's talk yeah, exactly. about it, you know, like <laughs> as if it really matters. But um, we've had a, a, a tweet from someone else as we talk about um, email etiquette. Um, ah. If Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell oh, us about God, this one, Trisha? Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but Shivana, you recognize it. Why is that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, who did that? One. Yeah, no. I missed that one. Uh, Shall I read yeah. it out? Shall I read it yeah, out? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do impression. Go for it. Lady Galadriel. <laughs> do a very regal, Thrusha. Do a regal voice. Oh, yeah. No, no, I can't. I can't, I can't do it. But, Shivani, will you read out your own tweet? Because from now on, I guess, after having guests on, I do read out their tweets in my mind in their voices. I do think it has mm, a That's true. So, yeah, that's can, true. You, can you make this 3D for me? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think it was the, yeah. So um, I said, and this because it has just happened, most of what I do is tweet as contemporaneous. If someone sends you an email without a salutation, for example, Shivani, comma, could you blah, 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 blah. Um, is it rude? I find it quite curt and unnecessary, but maybe I'm a sensitive soul. Of course, I'm a sensitive soul. It's really weird <laughs> reading we your tweet back. <laughs> Are we all um, sensitive? Yeah. I, I mean, the point was, is that the way they actually introduced them, they didn't, well, they didn't even say dear, they didn't say hi, they didn't say anything. Yeah. They just yeah. went, Shivani. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> and I think I really, I, you know, the, the replies are so interesting because it was completely 50-50, right? Some people just think mm. it's really efficient and get to the point, don't like all of these superlatives. And other people, my homies, were like, yeah, no, I curl up into the corner and start crying when I get emails like this. And yeah. it was, um, you know, it's a good thing for me to reflect on, actually, because what I realized was that I am projecting my meaning of that onto other people. So I would do that if I was royally ticked off, you know, mm. um, yeah. And uh, so then my immediate reaction is to think, well, they must be with me. But um I think they were actually. I think I know that they were. But uh, fair enough. But I think it's either way though, right? Like one, mm. it could be ticked off, or two, they're just being lazy. Like how how long does it take to just put in a hi, hey, or whatever just before? Yeah, that? that's what I think. I mean, right. lots of people said if it's mid conversation, yeah, sure. You know, if I'm replying mid conversation, then there's no salutation. But there's also not like Thurusha. Yeah. You mm. know, it, you just you just avoid names and salutations. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's my take on it, that it's, yeah, it doesn't yeah, take yeah. long to say hello or something. But is it like when yeah. your parents are annoyed at you and they're like, 
Imran yeah. Lasker, <laughs> yeah, exactly. please answer this yeah. question right yeah. now. Actually, they probably say mm. a lot more than that. My whole name is a bit longer than that. But anyway, they, they, um, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. Sometimes I just can't be bothered with emails, and I'd be like, you know, sometimes, sometimes I've seen someone say like, "Hi, Dr. Lasker," yada yada yada, and they like really, really polite all the way down, and they'd be like, "Is it possible?" Like, cool. Yeah, I do you know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, like whatever. Like, yeah, just, just, just roll with it, man. Whatever. I'm not that bothered by it. Um, I similarly read into yeah. messages in that way. Like I was thinking the other day about how you know sometimes people put a full stop at the end of what they're written. I yeah. kind of feel like that can be a bit aggressive too. Now, I've got friends who met WhatsApp me and they always put three dots at the end. Yes. And, it, oh, and it's like okay. that's so ominous like we're, yeah. and I said is there something else you're trying to say is that no dot 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 and I, look, <laughs> we could go on all night right now when does this conversation finish already honestly <laughs> that is really strange I don't think I've that yeah I've got a few that. people like that mm. let's not talk about voice notes because I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah is that, no, actually, is that a new thing for you Shivani yeah it used to really wind me up I used to really not like it I remember saying to him at the beginning can we not why can't we just text like normal people and now I do it to people I don't yeah. know do you know I honestly think that if anyone there's a couple of people that send me voice messages but most of my like close friends don't but if they did I'm sure I'd jump on the bandwagon um, yeah yeah I mean, it's so much easier. I, I mean, I, I hate typing away, and sometimes we're trying to say quite a lot, mm. and then that's why I find that um, yeah, no, voice no, no, notes sure. are quite easy, a lot easier. And I think with WhatsApp and Twitter, I guess as well, like you do lose a lot of emotion of what you're trying to say sometimes, which is probably better no, said uh, via via a voice note, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I did try one after Therusha, um <laughs> mentioned <laughs> threw me to the wolves on Twitter, <laughs> um, and I found myself. I was talking to uh, someone at work, and I go. And so, yes, you know, um, so that's what I think. Full stop. You're so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. You line, you line. Oh, Space yeah, mark. It's like a dictation, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll get used to it. Yeah. I think I think Shivani, when we were talking on WhatsApp, we were saying we're going to send you the link for the, for the podcast. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. I've got WhatsApp web. And you're like, all right, mate. Um, <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, no, that's because Therusha sent me instructions that said it helps if you have WhatsApp web. So I was just like trying to impress you. I literally just activated it right now. <laughs> I thought you're like, yeah, cool. I've got that. I'm cool. I'm with the kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was another email that came this week. I'm going to read this one out. Um, sick of being a slave to the rotor. Angry face. Contacted my uh, next job well in advance saying I have a one week holiday booked for July in six months to be told I should have contacted them before booking to ensure that they can release me really does feel like a prison not a profession um and again, you know, it reads, Morning, Tony. Thanks for your email. Not to worry on this occasion, but in general, we ask that you check with our department first before booking a holiday to ensure we can release you for those dates. Regarding the academic day, I will get back to you about this. So now it feels like they're doing them a favor, even though they've actually given quite good notice with regards yeah. to the leave they're going to try mm -hmm. and take. Uh, we've been here before, haven't we? Have we all um, experienced this? Yeah, I think it's like infantilizing them, isn't it? Like at the base of it. Isn't it like, mm -hmm. how do you... Well, at least they said morning. Yeah, but like, <laughs> how else would you have the stones to speak to someone like that over something like that? Just seems weird. Like that, there's an adult requesting a holiday. Like, what? Why would you? I don't yeah, know I think I find these things really upsetting, to be honest, because I think that. Um, these actually you know like you, you we talk about work conditions we talk about pay but actually these small interactions where you are not treated like a person with a life are mm. the most demeaning of all of the all of the things right because they completely erode goodwill just like that um so you know i mean of course this is just like basic stuff you give notice you should be able to 
you know, incorporate that and to made to be made to feel guilty about it as well. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it just makes things stressful, unnecessarily stressful. So I think I feel like these are basic things that we that our you know departments should be able to deal with. Yeah, I think when we were speaking yesterday, you kind of made that point. You made the point where you're saying that almost they kind of the um, coordinators seem to be focusing on you, kind of like a commodity rather than as a person. And they're just thinking, well, oh, this has changed how you know what I'm going to do next with the rotor, and that's all they're thinking about. And then they just mm. seeming to forget about it when they send this email back to another human being. This is you. The rotor person is usually doing a hundred other things right and then this is the an extra thing that they do you know mm. that they have to slot in and um that they are probably under immense pressure you know to to try and make things work and so it, again you know when you have these difficult interactions it's usually because several people are also in difficulty but yeah i, I don't think there's any excuse for for treating people like this especially if you if you give notice yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got a leg to stand on if you haven't if you haven't given notice. But I think, yeah, it's the tone of the the way people are messaged about this stuff. It's the same thing situation we get people getting coerced into doing, um, you know, shifts that they don't want to do. It's just like they kind of make you feel bad for I don't know having a life, having your own thing going on, not want to do something they want you to do. Um, yeah, I think I've been in that situation as well where I actually gave leave to go to uh, a friend's wedding well in advance before even starting the job and they just didn't do it they and then when i tried to complain they were like well we gave you a week somewhere else where you know you asked for mm. it but we couldn't give you this time I was like, well now i can't go to my mate's wedding it, it was so ridiculous and um mm. i managed to make it for the end of the wedding which is a bit of a shame but this is someone i'd been God, to school with awful, and known for it? years yeah, yeah and I, I couldn't go to the majority of his wedding which is real really rubbish actually but it's like you say they just got numbers to fill they don't care what's going on with your life and um and uh, what's going on um but then i mean, I I mean think, this is part of the problem right through show you're saying yeah on, i mean it kind of links on to, to some tweets uh, about recruitment and anesthesia so um there's a tweet from rob fleming and he was kind of quote tweeting another tweet that just uh, described how um recruitment to higher specialty training and anesthesia in the uk is just it's just like really kind of falling off after covid mm. um and i guess they're going to be i saw on a junior doctor's reddit um, UK that uh, applications for radiology training are kind of like skyrocketing, and it could be because <laughs> of the amazing, you know, amazing work the that TikToks. you're doing, Imran. Yeah, the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I mean, uh, correlation oh, and causation, dear. right? But yeah, exactly. Um, it yeah. could also I'll be. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> because people like the working model, right? And so you just kind of wonder, like all this goodwill that's just evaporate. It's evaporating fast. But I mean, in general, though, don't you think that I think when I was going into medical school, people were saying that most people go into a medical school thinking they could become the next surgeon or something like that. But coming out of medical school, the vast majority of people will go into something like I'm not that I'm saying anything wrong with it, but the vast majority of people will go to GP. And something happens in the middle of all of this, like something happens in the middle of med school, during med school, during work time, where suddenly uh, jobs like I feel dermatology, radiology, GP, uh, the things that kind of enable you to have slightly more normal-ish. I mean, I say quotation, no one's got a really normal life, but those things suddenly become more um, competitive uh, in some ways. Uh, that's what that's what I kind of felt and thought. And maybe that's the reason, like you're saying, Thrusha, that people are, I mean, pandemic-wise, I mean, I think people started to really question how much work they do, right? Like, um, did you not question how much time you spent at work and when that all that was going on? It was a bit like, oh, do I really need to be working as hard as this all the time? Should I just, um, I don't know, work a bit less and enjoy my life? Um, yeah, what, what do you think, Shivani? Is um, 
No, I completely agree because I think um, irrespective of what you as an individual are interested in, you're seeing the people around you, right? So, um, I, you know, I, I, I looked at my registrars that were doing um, endocrinology and they were, you know, ward round after ward round after ward round. They did research, but then they were back on the wards and there was just, there's no headspace to even think. And then, mm. of course, that's the time when everyone's, you know, potentially having children or, you know, have a partner. They want to go on nice holidays. And you have to sort of square the circle as to, you know, what your priorities are. And so I think I think personal life plays a part. Um, I think you temper your career aspirations. And I can think of, you know, like at one point I wanted to do surgery, which is just so nuts. Like I'm the mm. opposite personality for surgery. But when you actually do the job and you see the people and you see their lifestyle, then you sort of think, oh, actually, do I, is that for me? So I think mm. there's there's a lot of factors there. And yeah, quality of life. When you're a student, I don't, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I was an idiot. I probably still am, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think I was thinking about my quality of life at that point. I was just thinking, what, what am I interested in? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird though, isn't it? Because there's so many things that people tell you are going to happen and then you don't really consider like seriously, like, you know, when mm. people talk about how their joints ache or like, I don't know, just everything uh, that you, you kind of, you know, when people talk about getting over hangovers and stuff or losing your hair, oh my God, you know, like those things, <laughs> you just kind of just put them to the back of your mind or to the back of your head yeah. if it's your, fa- your hairline. But the uh, thing is, is that I think it's really hard to like put yourself in those shoes when everything's kind of, I don't know. And also in medicine, I think, or at least at medical school, you're kind of focusing on that next step, right? And then before you know it, mm. all this time's gone. Like you're like, oh, this exam, oh, like this mm. next thing, oh, this next yeah. thing. So true. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm old. Yeah, I think that's completely true. I really feel like that, Therusha. Like, it is a bit of a treadmill, and you kind of go to the next thing, the next thing. There's only recently, actually, probably when I CCT'd, when I finally asked myself, what what is the life that I want? What is the life that I actually want? And um, and obviously now I do a bit of business stuff. I, I I constantly have to think, okay, so look, in five years' time, where do I want this to be? Where do I want this to go? And if this is where I want it to be, what do I have to do to get there? And um, yeah. it really culminated in when I was going for consultant jobs. And um, there was a job in a big central London hospital. And I think there was another one, actually. And then there was a job in this kind of smallish place called Baz. And... Um, uh, I'm not saying I, I was, you know, I wasn't cut out. I didn't, I'm not saying I was going to just walk into a London job or any, any of that stuff. But um, what I realised is that um, they, I now have colleagues who work in very, very busy places, and they're there till very, very late, and they'll get paid the same amount as me sitting out in some DGH, right? But then you have to ask yourself, like, what is it that you want? And if you enjoy your job and you enjoy staying late, then that's cool. But I, I realise that that's not what I want. I'm, not, I'm not cut out for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not cut out for dealing with personalities and fighting for private work and all that kind of thing it's not it's not my deal I'd rather mm. just kind of disappear actually people in Basden don't know where I am half the time but you know what I mean like um you know uh just I cho- you kind of have to make that constitution where am I going to be in five years time and I, like you said Therusha most of us are just thinking about this next thing and the next mm. thing and I was certainly part of that you know, I, I totally, yeah. um, Imran, I completely agree with you that I did not think about this until I became a consultant. Mm. And I don't know about you, but once I, like about nine months into becoming a consultant, Tharusha, I think you got this coming, is um, I had a massive <laughs> slump. I thought, oh my God, is this it? Is this what I was working for? (laughs) And um, it's not the job, like just FYI, if anyone's listening that I work with, I really love you all and I really enjoy my job, but (laughs) it's just this feeling of being, um, like feeling suffocated and confined because 
of course you can change jobs etc but this is it this is it and then it forces it forced me to really think about yeah you know what's the next step so for me that was I wanted to do have a bigger percentage of research um mm. than clinical so but I but I maybe I'm naive but I just didn't think about it as a registrar but it's a headspace you're talking about mm. isn't it like how do you have headspace when you've got ARCPs you've got numbers you've got you know, yeah. publications to do, you've got jobs to think about, you've got, you know, you may have kids, you may have a partner, you may, you've got all these things, you don't yeah. have headspace to be thinking about five years time. And I feel yeah. like it's only when you CCT, uh, for most people, you suddenly start to make moves depending on where you want to be. If you want to do more research, you go do more research. If you want to do this, you go do more that. You start changing your job plans or, you know, the bits that you want to be interested in. And that's not really, I don't think it's, medicine's not the kind of place, unfortunately, that uh, facilitates people to think forwards. And um, and that's when it's unfortunate where people may have invested five, six years of their life and realized this is uh, not just not, not for them. Um, and I mean, it kind of brings us on to another tweet um, from Bethan, uh, you know, our good friend, Miss Bethan E. John. And, um, you know, she she's someone herself who um, quite openly, she was doing neurosurgery and then at some point realized it wasn't for her. But she was quote tweeting someone else where um, there were, so it says, look, so they said, was on theater and we were starting a laparotomy at 8 p.m. The daytime surgical junior stayed to scrub because he'd only sleep if he went home. There's so much wrong with this. Why is there still the toxic culture Stay if the patient needs you, not to impress your seniors. And then she talks about this too, like even to hit your ARCP numbers, a lot of the time you end up having to stay late. Otherwise, how are you going to do it? Um, yeah, what do we think? Um, well, I think, she, the, I think the whole thing is, you know, it just shows to me that, you know, we were chatting about this, that the, the training program should be able to feel, fulfill the requirements that you need to tick for your ARCP. And if trainees feel like they can't do that in, you know, whatever they are contracted, the hours that they're contracted to be there, mm. um, that's a problem, isn't it? That's a problem with the actual training program. And um, that's how I feel. And I I mean, in my specialty, I, I don't think this is much of an issue because we're not trying to fit in procedures and, you know, surgery, et cetera. It's all just clinic based. But I think, yeah, I mean, if you find that you have to do extra to meet your ARCP criteria, then that particular block that you're in is not training you correctly, in my mm. opinion. Um, and I think then there's something around how do you show that to people? Because different personalities will respond in different ways to that. So someone will be like, oh, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm only gonna sleep if I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna stay in, I need to tick this off for my ARCP. And other people are gonna say, well, actually, I turned up, I did all of my hours and I didn't slot it in. So who mm. looks who looks good at the ARCP, who looks bad? But actually the root problem here is the actual training program. Mm. But then, I mean, do you uh, did you guys have like, uh, you must have IPEXs. We have something called IPEXs and DOPSs where it's like, um, uh, I don't know, what are they called? Mini kexes and all that kind of thing where people give you assessments on the examination you may have done and, you know, the patients you may have seen. And I used to I used to find it really weird that if you didn't turn up with the right numbers, you get in trouble. But then it's impossible that, in, I mean, if you just turn up nine to five and or do your job, then it's impossible that you haven't seen patients. I, I find I might not have documented it in terms of putting an assessment down, but I definitely did the work mm -hmm. to say yeah. to say that I don't deserve my place to continue my training because I didn't get the right assessment seems a bit or, I, you know, which implies I haven't done enough work. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. Right. It, it seems a bit silly. Um, yeah. I mean, Thrusha, you were saying you had some experience of this kind of situation. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the thing is, is that if it's 
if you're do, if you're doing all that stuff just to achieve the bare minimum, just to pass an ARCP, then obviously the training program, the training is whack. I guess mm. you made the point yesterday where you know um, the more you do a procedure, like the more you see and the more confident you might feel in it. And so if it's from that perspective, mm. and you know that your training is kind of safe either way, then that kind of that seems to be more reasonable, less under duress. But I've gone in, mm. I've gone in off days, and I think that's often because then you don't have other kind of regs. You're kind of vying for your position. Well, I mean, that's that's generally when when I've gone. Like, if I thought that the the uh, the list is safe, and often your the kind of consultants um, when they see that you're doing that, they're more likely to give you opportunities to do things. And I remember that mm. that's certainly something that I'd kind of um, take advantage of and uh, get to do more. Um, but I think the thing is, is that some of the numbers that um, that people have to achieve. To, you know, to, to kind of be seen to be competent. I just kind of wonder like how arbitrary they are. Like, um, I remember hearing like some regs talking about the number of like PCIs that you need to have done to feel like confident as an mm. interventional co- uh, consultant. And they were like, you know, 600, 700, 1,000. And like these like numbers coming out of it. <laughs> like, yeah, theoretically, yeah, you should probably have done like 10,000 before you feel like, you know, you could do it in your sleep or whatever. Mm. But like the bosses who kind of like trained 15, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have done those numbers. Like, um, and they would have had mm. way more complications and stuff. And and the people have been like, oh, that patient died. Whereas now it's like, mm. oh, you know, you had like that one complication. Mm. Maybe you need to be like this and that. And so I just think the kind of, it, just like with everything, like with exam results for little kids and whatever, like everything just seems to be uber, uber more, like more, like now everyone has to do this. And you used that quote, uh, quote yesterday, Shivani, um, the road to... Was it the road to oh, good intentions? Yeah, it's that? my favourite one. The um, oh god, what is it? Road to hell is paved <laughs> by road to hell. Yeah, the road to hell intentions. is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. And I think that kind of yeah, exactly. sums it up quite nicely. Like it makes sense. Yes, you should have had. You should have done like a million of those things, and you should be able mm. to do it left-handed and right-handed, and also like if your arms <laughs> are tied behind your back, like you know, you should be able to do it all those with your ways. nose. Yeah. <laughs> with your nose. Yeah. No, no geogram, but. Um, uh, like realistically yeah. really though really does it have to be that way really really yeah i mean that's the thing like um i think i've been talking i've been talking to my wife about my own children and like um whether we should get i mean they're only like f- uh, six and three i forget their ages sometimes um, <laughs> <laughs> but um like there were, i think recently someone was saying something about getting a tutor and all this kind of stuff and i thought yeah i know but then there's like there's achievement and there's like you know there's like that little bracket of like the amount of effort it takes to get go from like an a to an a star and all that kind of stuff and it's like the quality of life that will go like if we did get a tutor there's more hours in my kid's life that has not spent playing you know time with us and all that kind of thing is it worth it and i know there's a really silly phrase and it sounds really nasty but i got it from a film called the girl next door which i probably won't go into storyline if no one knows about it but um the, the line in the movie was, um, or one of the lines, there were plenty of lines, but one of the movie lines was, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I always think of that with most things that I do. Like, is the juice worth the squeeze? If I'm going to spend time and effort doing this, is it going to be worth it? And I just feel like, uh, and maybe I, I might be wrong, fair enough, but I just feel like giving a six-year-old two tutors all this stuff, like trying to do the extra bit here and extra bit here for that tiny percentage of, I don't know, achievement may not be worth the quality of life cost. Mm. Uh, and I'm not sure the juice is worth the squeeze in these situations. I think that's um, a great phrase. And like, it makes me think going back to, you know, what we were talking about, about when you become a consultant in the headspace, you know, the, the it's the journey, not the destination. And I swear most of the time I hate the journey. <laughs> I'm hating yeah. the journey yeah. and I'm just trying to get to the destination, which I think is going to yeah. be okay. And that's just so messed up. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> that's just academia. Yourself, 
No, yeah. no, no. I think mm. you do tell yourself that, don't you? Like, I remember thinking, oh, when I get my number, it'll be easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, when I become a doctor, it'll be easier. And now it's like, when I'm a consultant. It's not, well. but it's just human nature, right? Like, I, I think um, I tweeted it last year, so I'm not bragging, but I got a, a big fellowship last year, which has mm. sorted, sorted me out for the next five years. And there was a f- sort of four-year run-in to get that. And the whole time I was like, I just need to get this. I just need to get this. And I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be so happy. And I'm like, I've mm. never been more miserable in my life. <laughs> 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 and oh, I, was just, I was like oh, updating no. my CV. And I'm like, oh God, I did really well last year. Why do I not? Why do I still feel like this? You know, <laughs> because it's not the destination. It's the journey. You have to somehow make the journey, mm, the yeah. right journey for you. But that's the question I always find as well. Like you have to identify what really makes you happy. Like what is it that really makes you happy? And then if if you kind of make these decisions and like, okay, so for example, um, I'm saying this for, I'm not saying this is me. I'm not saying this is me at all, but let's say that um, money is what makes you happy. Let's say the more money you make makes you happy. It right? does sound a bit then, like you. Okay, look, I'm not saying it's me, but I'm just saying the more money just you make, the more happy someone I know. Yeah, a friend of a friend. The more money, the, the more money, the more happy you are, right? And then you kind of run down this treadmill and at the end, the very end, you're not making any money and you think to yourself, well, I'm not happy. Like, why am I not happy? I should be making loads of money. But, you, you have to have thought about that somewhere along the line. Like, I'm going to do this to make more money. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then hopefully somewhere along the line, it will equal more money. Does that make sense? So you've got to have a kind of a clear idea about what makes you happy and how mm-hmm. you're going to get there rather than I'm going to go achieve something and that's going to make me happy. Like mm-hmm. if I go do something, I think if I do this, it's going to be more, make, give me more time to spend with my family. So that's what's going to make me happy. So that's what, I, what I've got to do. Not that I've got to get this, uh, get this uh, accolade to be able to do this. And then hopefully it'll give me what I want. Like, mm-hmm. you see what I mean? Like you've got to figure out what, what, pl- what plus, is, what plus what equals what you need rather than something equals something which should hopefully get what you want, which is something I feel, um, we should all be careful of actually when we, you know, is a juice worth a squeeze? I mean, that's, mm, that's, that's it's a great much phrase. What I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you know this kind of uh, this kind of thing about amongst medics, I think it's just innate in us and trying to become like bigger, better. And it kind of brings me up to another tweet, which is kind of I think a subtweet to someone else. Apparently, the only thing to talk about with pride is mediocrity. Have I said that right? Because yeah. the whole of Med Twitter will like you. Then talk about selling in something, and suddenly you're the bad guy. Um, and I think it was kind of subtweeting someone else who I think tweeted about being the first or the top person in whatever and uh, you know how well they've done and some of the advice that they would give to other people if they wanted to maybe achieve the same things or learn something from them and some people didn't really look into the advice they were giving which some of it was actually quite good mm-hmm. and started really fixating on the fact that he said I was number one mm-hmm. in this place and people didn't really like that uh, and um, yeah I, I kind of gave him mixed feelings and I'll talk about it but um, yeah what do you guys think about that it feels a yeah. bit yeah. when is it okay to say I was number one in something because it feels like there's there, there, mu- there must be some time when it's okay to say like I was the best I was in the best thing but I get the impression that mm. that seems to rub people up the wrong way and for starters um like, I mean, she, you have to preface yeah. it with like some kind of horrible origin story or something. Yeah, it feels like you have to, um, you have to do it. Like when I look at that fellowship that I got, is like I tweeted it, it was a total brag, but mm. I did it. You, if you do it in a self-deprecatory way, mm. then it, mm. it's acceptable. I see. Um, mm. Because, but I mean, but this is this. I think is a is a like you say, it's a wider issue in medicine, isn't it? About if you highlight an achievement, you're seen to be boasting or, you know, bragging about it. And and some people will warm to that and think, great. And uh, it irks a lot of other people, which is, I think, exactly what we saw this with this tweet, because it completely divided people. Um, and 
No, I think there's some really interesting reflections that came through, actually, because some people were initially quite negative towards the, uh, that tweet, but then reflected mm. on why they might have reacted in that way. Whereas I think um, the British way is to sort of be quite self-effacing about it and to just, you know, oh, yeah, I got this, but, you know, it's a real surprise to me stuff. So I think I think that was also part of it. I think that's certainly how it was perceived, right? Because I think it was in the context of, I did, I did this, this and this, and this is how you can do it. Which I thought was kind of like, well, if you're gonna, if you're going to say these, these are exam techniques you should use, then doesn't it help to know that this person came the f- mm. came first and did so? Well, it was like know? it was a bit like a. I thought it was like a LinkedIn post, you know, like yeah. when you're on LinkedIn where you get yeah. like, you know, I made a million pounds, you know. I don't know, while I was asleep. And this is how I did it. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was, it, was that, it had that kind of feel to it. Yeah. But, you know, um, I think my opinion on this is maybe slightly different in that um, when I was studying and finding a diff to get through exams, people always told me, go find this person and they will tell you how to get through it. And every time I found the person was the top dog, uh, the top percentage and all the rest of it, they weren't actually that helpful. And I don't know whether because they didn't want to tell me or for them, they just read something. And I think I was trying to ask them, like, how do you actually memorize stuff? How do you figure mm-hmm. out? I go, we just, we just read it. And that's it. And I was like, that's not very helpful because I'm a bit <laughs> thick. I need a bit more work here. But what I actually found was someone that was working quite hard and was doing all right. And asked them, and when they told they told me, you yeah, know, what you got to do is when you read. Most people say find one book and you read it from there. But actually, what you need to do is read multiple books of the same subject, and some mm. one of those books will help you, or some books will explain something slightly different, better than the other one, and you actually get a better picture like that. Mm. And I thought. Why did it take me to find someone mediocre to find that piece of information that's helped me? And I think a lot of that is to do with our own um, our own desire to chase after number one, you know, find the person who's number one and think that they have all the answers. Mm. But the truth is that there is a situation. I mean, the vast majority of us are average. They are, I mean, that's why the top one exists, top 1% exists. And um, I'm not sure it's always a good idea to keep giving them the accolades and give them the recognition because... Most of us are not going to be like that. Most of us are not going to be hitting those kind of those numbers and, you know, exam marks and stuff like that. What you need mm. to find is someone, the person who's mediocre and who still made it. That's the person mm. you need to find and ask them how they did it. And um, that's certainly how I feel with everything that I do these days. Like, yeah, you could look at Roger Federer and see how they play tennis and how they did it and how they make all that money and be successful. But I'm never going to be Roger Federer. I need to find the person that's got no skills, nothing, <laughs> and still is successful. That's the person I need to find. Um yeah, I, I think I think you raise a really interesting point. And what came through to me just as you were saying that was actually everyone has a different way of learning, or mm-hmm. everyone has a different approach to to learning a new skill or revising. Right? Like, I mean, it took me ages to understand how I learn stuff because it's not like anyone teaches you that, right? That mm, Shivani, yeah. this is your learning. This is how you need to revise. And so, yeah, you know, when you can go to the top dog, but actually, what you need to do is talk to lots of different people to find what your style is. Um, mm. And what so is your actually, style? I mean, I didn't, that was my, my <laughs> style. Your style. You're gonna laugh, you're gonna <laughs> laugh at my note? style. Is it person? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> On the wall with like bits of string no, between no, no. I see it, the link. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, it's so bad. Do you know what I do? So well, basically cool. I don't make any notes, oh. um, but I just, I, I, I stand in front of the mirror this is, I haven't done it for ages, okay? I haven't sat an exam since 2012, but I stand in this front is a, of the This mirror. is a memento situation. You've tattooed yourself, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> and and um, I basically pretend I'm teaching. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, I pretend okay. that I'm teaching it. So I don't, I'm allowed to look at it and then I put it down and then I pretend that I'm teaching it to someone else. And then, then I'm like, 
Oh, have you got a question? <laughs> <laughs> wow. What you ask yourself in the mirror? Wow. The question. And then yeah. you ask, do you put your hand up? Or? <laughs> and then That's like, so then, no, but the question is like, oh, actually, I don't know the answer to that question. They yeah. go and look it up, and then like, really and then, so it's like, it's. I don't think I'm going to live this down. We might have to cut it out. That's really good. No, that's because no, that that's is, amazing. They say that's how you learn like an extra di- yeah. dimension to things by teaching it, right? Because yeah, no. Yeah. So because like making notes never really helped me because um, I still didn't remember them. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Moving uh, on. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I interrupted you like halfway through as well. Sorry, but it's just uh, it's just no like, a picture of you like surrounded by like loads of different coloured poster notes. I mean, maybe just surrounded by loads of different mirrors. Uh, I can imagine <laughs> like, a mirror room. Yeah. This is this is Shivani's revision room. It's basically full of mirrors. <laughs> Talk to Shivani on the right, Shivani on the left. Hi, Shivani in front of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, we've spoken a lot about sort of making that transition between um, being a reg and being a consultant and kind of figuring out where you are and what you want. And I think we've had a previous guest who we're actually watching live on Twitter make that transition between being a reg and a consultant. That's Mahul. Uh, ST7 mm. is such a weird year. It's so hard to break away from the entrenched registrar perspectives, like to a point where I almost feel trapped thinking like a registrar. Yeah, I mean, do you guys? I mean, yeah, do you guys feel feel as as time get, as you get more and more senior, you start you kind of you start to realise that you're more senior. That's kind of the one of the weirdest things I found about mm. you know. I think he follows up, doesn't he? I think I finally get why consultants mm. ask for extra opinions, more scans, more tests than I would do as a registrar oh, because right. when you do a round twice a week, you really, really need to make sure of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's. I I think Mehul's tweets are so thoughtful. I really. You know, he's, it is, it's like you're living through it in real time. And it just reminded me of, yeah, how I made that transition as well. My favorite responses though, I think were the ones that said, you know, where is this ward round that happens twice a week? I want to I want to work there. <laughs> and he was like, stop focusing on the job plan. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I think it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting time. And um, again, I think for me, prob- I don't know if it was the same for you Imran, but I thought I was ready and then, you know, as soon as I became a consultant and it was my name, you know, on the list, um, I realised how much I still didn't know and it was such mm. a steep learning curve um, the first year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I still don't feel like I know very much. Mm. That's what Radiopedia is for. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think one of the things that hit me was like people just being so nice to me all of a sudden. Mm. I mean, I just, mm. I just find it really bizarre because normally it was like, everyone go do this. You know, we expect you to do this. Where's your numbers? Why are you not doing this? You know, all right, all right. And now all of a sudden I'm just like, no one's hassling me. No one's calling me. <laughs> people, are, and when people call me, it's like, hi, I'm really sorry to take up your time. And I think I've spoken about this example where I went into a teleweightology company and um, they were so lovely. Like, hi, do you want a coffee? Do you want a tea? And they were just giving, and they were just treat me so nice. I was like, man, I'm not used to this. Like, I almost felt like, look, here's my face. Can you slap me? Because at least I feel like I'm back <laughs> yeah. in the NHS. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. Um, it is weird, yeah. isn't it? Like, I mean, I, I remember... Um, it still happened actually. So I phoned my I phoned the cardiology reg quite recently, and um, I said because I'm really like I'm way too nice, you know. I need to be really firm, and I'm like, oh hi, my name's Shivani Mistra. Yeah, like that was the reason. <laughs> oh no! And I go, I'm one of the consultants. Oh Is hello! It? No. <laughs> it's just like immediate. Yeah, it's a yeah, shame yeah. that it's like that, but. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it is, you do get a bit more respect. It's a true marker of a person's humanity, isn't it? How they treat people that they yeah. f- um, feel that they, you know, when they they don't feel like they um, 
have to yeah. be nice to you and uh, yeah but i mean speaking of speaking of that i mean you had a bit of an incident this week didn't you shivani i'm going to get you to quote yourself oh no um yeah um it was um i'll, I'll start for you so you know which one if someone challenges you do you remember that one if someone challenges <gasps> yeah, you yeah 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 okay so look this hasn't happened to me for a long time but i was basically in a meeting and um and we had a, there was a you know bit of a you know disagree, potential disagreement and um <laughs> Um, and then this person so when just your parents started, say they've had a fight, yeah. <laughs> this person just started talking over me and and then I was I was what do I do? What do you do? You can either talk over them and mm. then that just looked there were lots of people in this meeting, or you can uh back down and try to like have a stroppy face. So um I just went for the second option. But oh. um but it's just, I just find it, I find those sorts of things uh, really unprofessional. And um, and yeah, so obviously tweeted about it because that's like my psychotherapy. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that lots of people replied with, you know, different suggestions and uh, that I think, and then, you know, that made me sort of tweet some other toxic tips I called them I think and these are things I've all experienced and then everyone's experienced them right you know like people grabbing your idea or not necessarily pitching their own idea until they've understood you know which way the wind is blowing because they yeah. don't want to be uh, and you know all of these I just find all of this these tactics really really frustrating um so so yeah, that was that one really. But, but you know, like I, I sometimes wonder, like how much of this stuff is calculated, or how much of this is part of their just ingrained personality. Like this mm. is just the way they are, right? Because if it's just the way they are, then there's not very much you can do about it. But if they're kind of planning to be like this, you know, where they kind of because I've had this situation in med school where people had organised teaching sessions, didn't tell me about it, and then I look like the slacker. I mean, I was a slacker, I probably wouldn't have turned up anyway. But at least you know it would have been nice if they invited me. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like when when people. are you know, talking over you like that. Like, is that just the way they are? Is that how they treat their, their friends and their family? Uh, are they in the restaurant mm. being like this? I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm a bit cynical and, as you know, quite grumpy from my tweets. I think that, um, I think people know what they're doing. I think it's calculated behavior and some of them are power plays. Um, mm. You know, like someone else, I don't know if it was this week or recently, but, you know, deliberate mispronunciation of someone's name is yeah. such a power play to undermine. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure people do it by accident. But the problem is when we know that some people have exhibit these calculated behaviors, mm. how do you know? Um, yeah. So, and like, I mean, I, I know somebody who um, tells me that they deliberately walk into meetings late, you know, to disrupt the meeting so that all the attention is is you know it's like a power it's a power move so i think people do these things deliberately it's pathetic though isn't it like in terms of mm. like i don't know it it kind of gives you like asserting dominance is probably like how some kind of weird way of like describing it and it kind of makes me think of like animals in the jungle and you know they'll be like tearing each other's face off but what we do is we kind of just talk over one another and whatever yeah. <laughs> it's just like lame I, I don't know it reminds me actually like there was this a uh, big 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 prof I used to work with. And in his uh, insecurity, he was very open about like the things that he was doing, which kind of revealed more insecurity. So he first, some of the things he would say is like, if I don't get invited as the top speaker in this particular um, event, then I will no longer do my research. That's the kind of stuff oh, he'd come God. out with. And one day we're sitting there and he told me that he would turn up to, let's say Shivani was doing a talk on a subject that he's very, he knows a lot about. So he would turn up a little bit late so that they would see that he turned up, the big guys mm. here. Yeah. Then he'd walk up to the front 
and see it right opposite you. So he'd just see, so you'd see that. And before you even start, he would hand put his hand up so that you know you've got it. So to, he'd have this kind of very calculated way to make sure that everyone knew that he this person was in the room and was going to make uh, you know kind mm. of make sure that you knew that He's they were there. They, that. they were the Jeez. big one. Um, it was the way they worked. But then this mm. was like, this is, I used to think a lot, I still do think a lot about this person or people that I met who are like that. Mm. And it did make me wonder whether, um, in, in, from all that, so we've talked about a lot about medicine and the kind of people that we have in medicine, but the actual outcome is generally good because we are generally helping people. So even if you're a messed up, you know, individual and you've got all these things, the outcome in, in general is a good outcome. So when I, when I met this person who's clearly got insecurities, I don't know, Siobhan, you maybe you've met people like this in the academic sphere. They're still quite high achieving in terms of the academia. They're still pushing the boundaries. They're not doing McDonald's like I do, or I just say NAD and move on. They really are thinking about how to make that scan better. How, how does medication affect that scan? How does it look like that? I don't, I don't think like this, but what's driving them is the fact that they want to be the best of the best. You know, they've got that insecurity. Is that good or bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm personally, I, 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 you know, I, I don't think that's healthy. And mm. um, I, yeah, no, I mean, like in academia, you, you, you said academia, I hope you're not going to fall asleep. I, <laughs> in academia, I think almost um, the system favours those people, right? Because those people get, you know, they become successful, people want to work with them, they have outputs, they drive mm. things forward, they're screwing people over, you know, to get the big paper, then you get more accolades, then you get more funding. It's almost self-selected for that kind of behaviour. It's a bit of a generalisation, because in my field, there's, you know, lots of really lovely people. But, um, but everyone will know someone who has that toxic personality. And, mm. um, uh, you know, I always think that we, we were talking about this with the, the tweet if about the vascular surgeons, right, in mm. the States, uh, DeBakey yeah. and Cooley, and they their, their rivalry and that, you know, being essentially a megalomaniac and wanting to do everything, uh, probably with some sociopathic tendencies, uh, really, you know, drove the field forward and drove innovation, but... And maybe it needed that, but I always think that those people, if they work together, would potentially achieve far more. And it would be fun, right? Because I think those people, the one that you described just now, Imran, mm. they must be miserable as well, right? It's a really insecure feeling to have that kind of, to be in that kind of position. And so they're almost like victims of their own ambition. So I personally don't think that's healthy. And my mantra has always like, I'm, I'm ambitious for sure. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to achieve a certain degree of success, but I'm doing it on my terms and I want to enjoy what I do. And the minute it, it becomes that sort of competitive, horrible thing, I'm out. Mm. So um, yeah, it just depends what drive you, drives you. And there's, there's so many different flavors of personality in medicine. So um, yeah. I guess if you live by the sword, mm. you die by the sword, right? And if you behave like that, trying to shank like your colleagues, then um, when like the, the kind of body of evidence kind of builds up against you, then, you know, no, there'll be nobody there to kind of back you up when yeah. things go wrong, um, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I always feel like um, as there's always someone bigger and better than you. I mean, that's what I, I mean, you know, that's just the way I felt about most things, you know, and, you know, if you think about academia, then there's always someone bigger and better. If you talk about wealth and, you know, like, let's say, let's say you've got a big Merck outside or guess what? Someone owns Mercedes and they, and they, they own the entire plant and everything. So like, there's only, 
it's you know you kind of exactly like you said Shivani get achievements and um success on your own terms uh, yeah. define what that is and go for it and you know so I think I think like the in the character you described and the people that I'm talking about the thing that's missing is the humility I think mm. when when the humility isn't there to you know understand um I've tweeted about this before like you know people get a lot of success but mm. they had lucky breaks, they had supporters, they had privilege, mm. they had, you know, and they forget all of this when they get there and they think they own that position and they deserve it. And that humility is gone. As soon as that humility is gone, mm. um, you know, they, they, that's how they, they, you, they turn into the people that you described. It's so interesting. A friend of mine actually said to me, and I've, I've really taken to heart, he said this a few years ago, he's, he was quite a successful business person. And he said um, his father was a um, psychiatrist and he, the guy clearly had um, quite a good way of thinking about things. And he said to me um, that his father told him, imagine all the things you could achieve if you didn't have an ego. Mm. And I thought, I never thought of that. Like, you know what? So, and then ever since that, I've always thought about like, why am I doing this? Okay, this is an ego thing. Then I probably shouldn't be doing that. And um, he's right. Like, there's so many things you could do and so much you could achieve. Like your achievements would be so much bigger if you didn't have an ego about mm. things. Uh, you'd Definitely. find that like you're doing it for you. You're doing it for this. You're doing it for that. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. It's all about blinkers on and just um, moving forward. So um, it's a tough thing to tough thing to really get on top of though, isn't it? Like you suddenly oh, feel absolutely. Yeah, uncomfortable. No, so Something's exactly. And yeah, the ego, the ego bruising, you know, I mean, I've experienced a lot of that and comparison, you know, we were talking about that too, right? You know, comparing yourself to someone else who's at a similar stage, you know, this is all, it's really unhealthy um, thinking, but we all do it. It's just human nature. So it's trying to, I you know, I've been on a whole journey about this is trying to unpick that and, you know, gain insight into how you're feeling and, you know, deconstructing it. Hmm. I mean, you were saying something about having a coach. Is that right, Shivani, you were saying? Yeah. So I'm on this leadership program. Um, and as part, part of that, I get um, a leadership coach. So um, so he's been really useful. I'd really recommend it, actually, because it's not something that I'd immediately thought of doing. But I um, he just pretty much what I just said to you has come from him. So I'm not going to claim it for myself. But hmm. he, you take a situation and they deconstruct it. Uh, mm. to understand why you reacted in the way that you did. And so um, so I am finding that really useful because at the end of the day, if you're, you know, if you need to make things work around you in a certain way, then you need to control your reactions a little bit, not suppress them. Like not, it's not that you're hiding what you're feeling, but you have to make make it work for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's uh, it's all about sort of having sort of healthy debate as well. And sort of, I mean, that's the problem, right? When egos get involved with debate and all that kind of thing, you can end up in a bit of trouble. But speaking of debate, there was a question time thing that popped up this week, didn't it? Where um, I think, was it BBC question time? We're looking for people with um, opinions about being non-vaccinated. And I yeah. think Pathos is the one that kind of brought it to our attention. Okay, again, MSM is largely involved in the distribution of misinformation and are unapologetic. BBC platforming those without vaccinations for their views in the quest for healthy debate should be reprehensible. I wonder if the breathless anaesthetist will be on the panel. So yeah, basically question time. Um, they're looking for people um, to apply to be in the audience talking about being unvaccinated and why, et cetera, et cetera. Um, should, these pe should they have platform? Is this the right thing? Is this healthy debate? Oh, um, I haven't watched Question Time for such a long time because yeah. I feel like, I mean, I get they want they need to be impartial and have both sides of the argument, but um, 
I think that that can sometimes be damaging and in pursuit of being impartial, um, there's, you know, it has the potential to cause more harm than good. Um, so I don't even watch Question Time anymore, I have to say, ever since they had Nick Griffin on repeatedly, I think. Yeah, fair <laughs> I remember when Pathos yeah. tweeted it, I was like, oh, it's an account I muted and I saw it as a Question Time because I, just, I, I hate yeah. seeing their videos because they just, they just make me sad because I think part of what they do is they kind of give this sense of false equivalence. Like, hmm. it'll be like, oh, we've got this expert, Brian Cox, to talk, and we've got this person who believes that the earth is flat. And it's like, yeah, but there's like a completely different yeah. level of expertise. <laughs> like, it's they not be the, in same. the same room. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just ridiculous. And so, yeah. in the same way, these anti vaxxers, like, yeah, okay, like, they did their research, like, sat on the toilet on Google. It's not the same as, like, these epidemiologists or, like, you know, th- these people who. Uh, who are experts in that field it just doesn't make any sense and as you say Shivani it's this kind of whole impartial thing but like where like the where does where where should you, you've got to be like partial to like certain truth like you have to accept that there's certain realities mm. otherwise mm. like I mean where do you stop like mm. there's some people who you know uh, this could this could all be a dream this could be like Descartes <laughs> like you guys could just be a figment of my imagination but like at some point yeah. I've got to maybe be like well maybe not like yeah. just so where do you where do you suspend your just where where oh, just I don't even know so like I just um, muted it because it's so ridiculous um, and I just thought it's funny when uh, they were talking about the licence fee, I think the licence fee is going to be abolished or whatever and people are like oh see BBC you tried to pander to the Tories and all this stuff and this is what you get and oh, I don't know it's all hmm. sad isn't it, yeah. it's sad to see this stuff Like, it... I mean some of it's just trying to get ratings isn't it yeah exactly I mean, that's what yeah. it is it's clickbait and it's a shame yeah exactly like some t- number of times I've been on YouTube flicking through and then they'll be like this guy on this morning said he's Jesus and I'm like alright <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's like I yeah. am Jesus everyone I am Jesus and I'm going to yeah. tell you what's going to happen next like, oh, this is awesome I'm glad I watched that yeah. um, <laughs> um, I mean it, it sounds like a bit of a waste of time doesn't it uh, speaking of a waste of time there was another tweet that came up from Hus4D uh, who spent an hour and a half with a patient the other day for a turn for her to turn around and tell me she can't say my name so she just called me helen my name is halima uh, we've been there we? sorry yeah quite a segue but there you go that whole extra <laughs> syllable just like through that person just kind of her poor yeah. noodle just couldn't wrap around mm. that one yeah. can you imagine the audacity to say it as well especially after that person had spent that much time with you to then mm. have like that level of disrespect like you'd think mm. even if you're worried about saying it or saying it wrong like that person's just spent an hour and a half of their time like knowing what like a, what it must be like for someone working in a hospital then they spent an hour and a half with you and then to still kind of be like actually yeah, i'm not gonna try and see it i'm just gonna call you helen like <laughs> what what kind of person does that Mm. Like, un- un- uncaring, yeah. unthinking thing to say. Sorry, Shivani, did you? Uh... No, no. I mean, I look. I've I've said a lot on this. I just I find it so irritating if um, people don't, you know, try. You know, that just calling someone by their name is is the greatest respect that someone you don't know can pay you. Essentially, you know, because they're mm. it's it's a form of respect. So, I d- I don't I don't get that because if you genuinely had a problem. Just don't say anything. Thank yeah. you so much, mm. right? Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna, you know. But yeah, no, I, I feel very sensitive and I often react quite badly to my name being misspelt, mispronounced, you know, so. Helim is such a nice name. It means gentle in Arabic. 
it's a lovely name mm. and just you know i mean it's not even a difficult name no <laughs> yeah. don't get it i mean I, t- I told you guys about how i messed up someone's name the other day like i was at work and then we had a radiology assistant and um she she stuck her head and goes look i'm just going to disappear to pray for a few seconds or a few minutes i was like yeah whatever and then this other um radiology assistant uh, you know came up next to me she's always disappearing like that she's such a lazy mm. one and i thought excuse me you know that's mm. not very nice. I mean, you know, Fatima needs to go pray. And she goes, her name's Fahima. Kind <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. of ruins my point, point doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. Uh, but, uh, anyway, yeah, let's yeah. move on. Sorry, oops, oops, oops. But then actually, through, I told you, something happened to me. Did, mm. I told, yeah, Shivani, I didn't tell you. So I was uh, on a night shift uh, because I like to do night shifts. It's so much fun. And um, <laughs> I finished at 2 a.m. And I was pretty knackered. Because it was pretty difficult, and then um, I went downstairs to get something, and then I got a phone call from the from the teleradiology company, and I was like, "Oh, this is a bit unusual." I just closed up, and they called me up, and they said, "Hey, Imran, um, you know you did a trauma scan uh, just a few minutes ago. It's been checked because what happens? They do a trauma, they do a trauma scan, and then another re- consultant will look through it and you know verify that what you said is true because you know trauma scans need to be done quickly, and there is a chance of missing things, and you get two people to look at it. It's it's better." Mm-hmm. And so they said, you may have missed a few things here. So do you mind just having a look? And I thought, oh, come on. Oh, yeah, fine. You know, fair enough. Like if I miss something, it happens. I understand. I'll go upstairs and check. I had to log in. Standard. I couldn't log in. It wasn't work. You know, you know when you're trying to get to sleep, nothing mm. worked. So it crashed and all this stuff. I finally got in. I looked at the scan and thought, oh, I don't remember this one at all. When did I do this? And it turned out it was someone else called Mohammed. Oh God! Oh my God! That would drive me insane. You got? I mean, my name is Mohammed. I do have a Mohammed in my name, but (laughs) you know, this ain't right. So I actually called him up and I was like, "Listen, bro, like you know, (laughs) you got got the wrong Mohammed." Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite nice to these guys. And then uh, Mm. he was like, "What? Was everything okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, you got the wrong Mohammed." And oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, "Now it's like two forty, three o'clock, and I've still got it. You know, I've got so many things to do in the morning and meetings to go to." Yeah, you know, anyway, it happens, doesn't it? It It does happen, right. And I think, you know, like sometimes when I react badly, um, it is a genuine mistake. But I think because I'm so careful with other people, right? You know, sending Mm. emails and making sure you spell it right. Mm. And if I'm not sure of the pronunciation, I'll check with them. I'll try it. I'm really sorry. I might have mispronounced your name. Could you tell me what it is? And so Mm. I just feel like we should be afforded the same level of respect. It's a basic courtesy. Mm basic courtesy mm. uh, I don't know why people have to throw up their hands they throw up their hands mm. like oh it's just so difficult and like oh, that's yeah. the end of is it oh okay mm. All right. yeah uh, I mean speaking of difficulties we had a uh, one of our previous guests Rosie turn up on the on the news didn't she I, I mean I was, I was flicking through BBC I was like oh, hang on I know this person what's <laughs> happened um, but no it was it was cool right I mean what was she up to this week Period products for NHS staff are a basic necessity. And so, um, and Rosie's uh, pictured on this and a leading Scottish ICU consultant has told the BBC of the dread leading. female staff can feel knowing that they, they could be about to bleed through their scrubs but have no access to pads on tampons. And I think pretty much everyone is in agreement, right? That that's a good thing. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought. <laughs> Someone with a really informed opinion disagreed. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So he goes, period products for NHS staff in inverted commas, a basic necessity. Called me old-fashioned, but fail to be prepared (laughs) means prepare to fail. So always having sanitary (laughs) products with you as a woman should be normal. It is not an employer's responsibility to provide them. Emoji with fingers on chin. (laughs) What the hell's with this guy? This old git Um, is so funny. Yeah. No, that was, wow. um, well, first of all, I just want to say that I think Rosie is super cool. 
Um, she she's one of my yeah, favorite med Twitter personalities. So, um, no, I think, you know, I think her, the, the, the issue that she's raised is obviously, you know, so important. And I also think I always, when, when, when people will raise issues like this, I just think, God, why have we never thought about it yeah. before? You know, it's mm. such a no brainer. Um, but it's great that it's finally being discussed. But yeah, his response was just classic. And, um, uh, there were, you know, there were some really funny responses um, to him, but he kind of dug deep, didn't he? He lo- he locked down. He didn't he didn't um, he didn't change his mind, and no. um, it's um, it's just one of those things. Like I think if you've had lived experience of it, you just think, oh yeah, of course. You know, you need mm. you need this. You need to have these products available. Um, mm. But Rosie's so. Um, you know, she's so wonderful, though. She just explained it bit by bit. And everyone else responded to him with examples of, you know, when they've been when they've been caught short. And, and so I don't know what the yeah. end of that was. Well, I mean, he just, just kept double down. He kept saying, oh, my wife and, you know, people I know. Yeah. And it's like, I just feel sorry for all these people that he's talking about and using as examples. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's such a it's such a it's a good thing that she's raised and I hope it leads to policy change. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that if, if it was a problem, if men had periods, this wouldn't even be a question. It would just no, honestly, like, mm. there would be vending machines every sort of 20 feet. Exactly. <laughs> men I mean, had periods. Like, I mean, there are toilets with condoms they... in. So like, you know, that yeah, used to yeah. be, like in most, in most toilets, there used to be condoms. Like it just, it just, mm. it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, uh, I just didn't see it's how... Just, it's just not a big be. ask. And, you know, lots of people were like, well, other employers don't do it. But I think there's some really key things about working in healthcare, you know, that you don't have your bag next to you. You might be in mm. a different building. You might be scrubbed up. You might be on a safari ward round, you know, and, it, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, just basic. It's a safari ward round. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long ward round. Is that what that is? Oh, safari ward round is... Um, I hope I didn't just make that up. Yeah, it's when you have loads of outliers. and oh, yeah, So you do your base oh. ward and then you have to go over there. You have to go to the yeah. east wing to do that. And then you have to go uh, to a yeah. different building to see that yeah. one. Safari yeah. ward round. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I have made it up, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but this, this whole thing relates to something Xander tweeted. Well, he didn't tweet, but he... Um, uh, you know, a quote tweeted someone else saying, uh, today our male consultant said female sexual dysfunction is objectively unmeasurable and is thus not discussed when consenting a woman with colorectal cancer for surgery. But the risk of ejaculatory and erectile dysfunction must be carefully explained when consenting a man. I mean, that disparity, that that kind of attitude. Um, and it kind of relates to something else that I don't know, where, was there a tweet on that where they were talking about the outcomes of um, mm. outcomes of females being treated by males? Uh, was actually not so good compared to, um, I mean, there was something yeah. like that. I can't remember the tweet. Yeah. But it's it does make males. you wonder about the disparity between, well, I mean, you, th- you wouldn't think there, disparity. there should be a disparity here, but clearly there's yeah. an attitude thing here. I mean, that whole tweet is kind of rooted in misogyny, isn't it? You know, where he's basically mm. just said that kind of uh, women's kind of sexual needs are just, just unnecessary, not required, not important, um, mm. and kind of uh, less than that of a man. And it's just complete misogyny. There's no, there's no two ways about it. I can't believe someone would have said that, like with a straight face. Like it's just mm. uh, doesn't make. Any, I can't believe that, yeah. that people like. That. I think like it, it really. And so that tweet and the one that the study that you're referring to about female surgeons versus male surgeons and that. I think what it uncovers is this issue of of our biases as practitioners, which which we're really bad at addressing. But we all know people that. You, you know, I'm, I hate using the term unconscious bias, but 
our biases definitely play into the way that we practice and do what we do. Maybe not for you, actually, Imran, because you never, you'll never, See you don't, you, <laughs> yeah, you don't know <laughs> their gender. Well, you do know their gender. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I, I may have got it wrong in the past. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but this is something that definitely plays a part in the way people practice, and we're really bad at capturing it. So that that surgical outcome paper is really impactful because it shows something is going on. Um, mm. And I know the naysayers, was it you, Therusha, you said that some people said, oh, it's probably because they're not getting the, comp- the women are not, women surgeons are not getting the complex cases. Which, yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, it's just such a ridiculous rebuttal, yeah. It was, yeah, something yeah. along those lines. Oh, they're more likely, the men are more likely to be the experts, so they get the harder cases, I heard someone say. I was like, oh, yeah. good, good one. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do you check your bias in the way that you actually deliver the care? Um is that's that tweet's a classic example isn't it but the thing is you know the person did the tweet but i i i mean obviously i'm speculating here i suspect the consultant who said that was not challenged at the time and will never be yeah. challenged about the thing they just said mm. and that's why that will continue that, that's why exactly because they're a, yeah. they're a consultant position of power is very unlikely they're going to get uh called up and asked um about what they meant and you know what their biases are like and this is part of the issue you just get i, I mean this is what i'm kind of said as well that like people are very nice to you and i, I think almost too nice i mean you yeah. need you, if you do something wrong, say it. But yeah. people don't want to because you've got a consultant thing in front of you, which um, is, yeah. is good and bad, isn't it? Yeah. We're like um, coming up towards the end, aren't we, in terms of like time. Yeah, so there, I mean, but, there was something we wanted to talk about. Yeah, sure, yeah. So it? I thought yeah. we kind of mentioned one tweet to kind of lead us into it, which was a tweet by Ashley Winter, a urologist, who said doctors should sell sex toys in their offices. And um, mm. I think that's probably like an interesting way of us getting into it because um, I guess the kind of uh, undertone of that is about how we should be approachable to talk about sexual practices and things. And so it gives us an opportunity to talk about last week. And um, so in last week's episode, we talked about sounding, which I don't think either of us had ever heard of before, or at least, no. I mean, I yeah. knew of kind of like practices whereby people have catheterized themselves and, but um, didn't know that sounding existed. And I think the kind of, I think the manner in which we probably w- we went over it was, well, it wasn't appropriate in that we were kind of like, it was kind of, um, we were laughing and um, we wanted to apologize because um, what we don't want is for anyone to like listen to this and kind of feel bad about um, sexual practices that they may be curious about or partake in. Like that's not what we want. We want to be sex positive and uh, we don't want mm. to make, bring anyone down. We just want to elevate people, bring them up. Mm. And so we wanted to say sorry for that. And um, I think kind of it made me, it does make me think about how um, often it is that um, I laugh about stuff that's like sexual and I guess where that comes from um, mm. because you know that whole kind of like boys school thing of just like or you know like even like the, a few weeks before we were talking about erect chest x-rays and how we just laughed at it mm. but at the same time mm. we've got to be mindful and we want to be sex positive don't we we don't you know we don't want anyone to feel down not. so, so yeah. if anyone out there kind of um, I'm really sorry and uh, we hope we can do better uh, it's always interesting to me that you're the one who gets these messages and people leave me alone. Uh, I, I mean, if you didn't get that message, then. <laughs> I but I mean, look, I'll say, yeah, I mean, from my point, I mean, I, I say, I, I exactly what Therusha says. And I think, um, you know, for us, and I think we both, uh, hopefully I speak for both of us in saying that um, doing this podcast has been a real learning experience for both of us. And, um, you know, it is difficult to put yourselves out there. And, you know, we accept that we'll get things wrong and probably we'll get something wrong again. But hopefully um, by now uh, we've shown and, uh, and we've got the ambition to be better people in general. And if the podcast is a way to do it, then so be it. And fair enough, like if we do something wrong again, just feel free to 
tweet us, quote tweet us, cancel yeah. us, whatever. But the main thing is that we continue to learn and continue to get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, cool. Yeah. Was yeah. Was there? There were, I felt like there was something else. Was that? Yeah, there was something else. No. Um, uh, no. No. We've done it all. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Shivani? There's still one of your. There's that twi- a quote tweet of um, Glaukenflecken. Did you want to mention him? Oh yes. Uh, yeah. I mean Glaukenflecken. I mean we've been trying to get him on the podcast, and uh, yeah, Shivani, you were quite impressed with his most recent. Uh, uh, yeah. He's a king of TikTok, man. I'm trying to get to that level, but go for it. Yeah. yeah no. I mean he. Um, I mean, I, I don't think anyone dislikes his his TikToks, right? But um, mm. but this one really resonated with me because it was about um, publication fees. So um, not all journals, but if you want your article to be open access so that anyone can search for it and read it, then you might have to pay for open access fees. And so he did a he did this great TikTok where he just dis- deconstructed how insane that was, right? That you were, uh, you know, that you were, you know, the journal was getting your high quality article, the reviewers were doing it for free, and then you had to pay, um, and then you got nothing back. And Mm -hmm. it just really resonated with me because, you know, the whole of academia is like that, you know, voluntary, unpaid um, stuff that you do. um, And, you know, the, the publication aspect is is it's like a the whole reviewing articles it's just such a con you know people do it for free um Mm. they do it for lines on their cv we've talked about you know we've talked about that you guys have talked about that before in podcasts you know this tick box thing so Mm. um but he does it so well it was just so funny and you can't not listen to that and just think gosh this system is really broken yeah it's a total racket (laughs) isn't it someone's getting paid really well I mean, I like, um, the thing I like about his that when he does, he, I mean, when he does the radiologist ones, I mean, I feel like he's subtweeting me. But that's the point. He, it does feel like he's he's really he's got mm. you. He's got you there, and he's yeah, he's yeah. going to talk about it. And uh, he really did nail that one. Yeah. But this is another one of the classic situations. I always think like, is the juice worth a squeeze? A line a mm. line on my CV is worth all that effort and all that time. Like, no thanks, mate. I'm not going to get that time back. I rate anyone that's got that time and got that kind of level of. Uh, a level of um, dedication to the game. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, I mean, we've kind of been through quite a lot this week. Uh, Shivani, I mean, we have been speaking about you every single week. Yes. Um, you've been, uh, you know, a character of the day a couple of times with your boosts and all the rest of it, <laughs> isn't it, Thrusha? <laughs> um, Thank you so much yeah, so for coming I'm- on. You've been awesome. Oh, no, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Like, I, it does. It feels really special. It feels like I've made it. <laughs> is that what it means I to be do. on the podcast I'm putting it on my CV under like enga- social media engagement no yeah, thanks no, I really enjoyed that thank you guys no you're welcome you're welcome uh, as, as always we always appreciate every single guest that comes on and yeah. gives us their time I think you're doing really really good work honestly I, I know you started it out with maybe not thinking what, what you were where it was going and stuff but um, it's been overwhelmingly positive hasn't it it's been yes. brilliant yeah, thank you. That's yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, it's kind of morphed and morphed again, but then I think overall it's been a positive thing that's come yeah. come from the whole thing. It's um, I think like for me, because I I was on Twitter before the pandemic, but just ad hoc, right? It really became mm. a big thing for me during the pandemic, and this is kind of like the keystone of Med Twitter. You know, it's like the really it's the really important component. So I just think you've really formed a, a community. Um, 
So yeah, right. I think you I think you've done really really well, and you should oh. carry on doing it for sure. Oh, thanks for that. Oh, nice. thank you. You're going to make us cry. Um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> well, I have a thank you so much, uh, Med Twitter, as always. Um, I thank you, Shivani, for so much for coming on. As always, we're very grateful for you to come. I'm sure we'll have you back again. And um, yeah, thank you, Med Twitter. Thank you so much. And um, let's not get cancelled. Be nice to each other. Yes. That's another thing. Try and be nice to each other. Uh, <laughs> maybe not too nice. Otherwise, we'll have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye.